0: welcome back to the show today we are speaking with phil barth and phil is a keynote speaker who is here talking about a challenging topic and bringing a sense of humor to it he's speaking about the side benefits of living through a heart attack in august of 2015 phil suffered what the doctors called a small heart attack following his recovery phil started a daily gratitude practice on social media that he still continues to this day He listed a few of the small great things that happened in his life each day, and then this practice just continued to grow. And as he did that, he started to change, and other people started to notice. So in 2018, Phil took what he had learned and wrote the international best sort of selling book, Great Things That Happen Every Day, a book about stress management, recovery from a heart attack, banana milkshakes, and rummage sales. He delivers his keynote speeches on the topic of stress management and really does bring a sense of humor to a challenging topic. But here's the thing. Why not learn from somebody who's actually come through this on the other side? And instead of everything seems to be all of the, you know, the I understand the risk factors, all these pieces, but he's sharing it in such a way that look at the quality of life. He is a person who did not have the same kind of risk factors that we deem you expect to see in somebody who comes through a heart attack. This is why it's so important that he shares the story. So I love this episode. I love everything that he shares. Again, the sense of humor that he brings, this is just such a fun episode talking about a difficult topic that I know there's going to be some takeaways for all of you. Welcome to the show today, Phil. I'm so thrilled to have this conversation with you.
1: I'm glad to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. Where are you from? I am from Ohio. Ohio. Okay. I'm originally li- originally born in Northern Ohio, now I live in southern Ohio. You know, great migration.
0: <laughs> Big traveler, eh? <laughs> okay. oh, yeah. I'm about an hour away from where I, so it's all good. <laughs> I understand. So, we've already been chatting and I'm looking forward to this conversation because I know you have so much value that you can give that's right in line with everything that we talk about on this show. So, wherever you want to start, I would just love it if you just give a little intro as to who is Phil.
1: Okay. So, we talked before and I chatted back and forth via internet. Mm-hmm. At any rate, in 2015, I had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And if you go back a little bit further in early 2015, I talked with a friend of mine and he's a, a minister, professional speaker and all those things. And I said, Tom, I haven't seen you in a while. What's up? And he said, well, I had a heart attack. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're my age, my size. That, that doesn't happen to us. How, how could this have happened? And, and he told me all the things that, he, that led up to him having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to August. And I am getting ready uh, in about a week to go compete for the world championship of public speaking every year. Toastmasters has the world championship of public speaking. And I've made the semifinals, the top 100. This is going to be my second time. And boy, I'm going to get it this time. And I started, I was at summer camp with my son and I started to have these symptoms and I'm and I'm starting to think, you know, Tom told me about that. Tom told me about that. Tom told me about that. And, can you just Something, share what they were? Just sorry. Oh, just- oh, sure. Yeah. So he said a, a couple months, a month or so before he started getting tired, like he would be sitting on TV at nine o'clock at night and just couldn't stay awake no matter what the show was. And, yeah. and so, and then he starts talking about all of the sudden walking upstairs, tired me out, walking up hills, tired me out and and things like this. And, and so the thing that was surprising me at summer camp, we went to the same camp every year. And now all of a sudden the, the hills are feeling taller and, and I have to stop and catch my breath. And, and I'm thinking, boy, that's what Tom said. And then I go back, right? And I think, well, you know, over the last month or so I have been falling asleep at nine o'clock. You know, we're watching some of our favorite sitcoms and I'm falling asleep in the middle of them. What? That's interesting. And, and so being a man, the next thing I do is say, well, I'm gonna go to the doctor after I get back from the World Championship of Public Speaking. Oh, oh no, wait. The next week, I've got a group from work, and we're all going to South Carolina to Myrtle Beach. So, you know, I'll get there. Yeah, I'll fit and, it in. And, and, right. Because right, I'm, I'm far too busy to have a heart attack right now. Well, on Thursday, that's exactly what happened. I uh, had what they called a small heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so that got my attention a little bit. Eventually. It, yeah, I, I'm in the hospital, right? And they put stents in. I tell my wife, you know what? I think I'll probably still be able to go to Las Vegas. And she just looks at me like you are the dumbest person in the world. And I was. I told I totally was. I'm mean, gonna I get it. So so that's what happened was I, I had a heart attack. And eventually that that got my attention. And we were talking beforehand about this this book you wrote when when she stopped asking why. And and after the heart attack, that's exactly what happened. Was why me? Why mm-hmm. me? I am in my early fifties. I don't smoke. I'm just a little bit overweight. And I see all of these people walking past every day. They're bigger than me. They smoke, and they don't have a heart attack. Why me? Mm-hmm. And and I heard somebody once say, you know, once I stopped being a why baby, yeah, I, things got better. It, somebody at work, he said, you know, my wife and I, we got transferred to India, and once we stopped being why babies, and I was like eventually I thought that it's okay. You're being a Y baby. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I had to say, okay, it doesn't matter why I had a heart attack. What matters is where do I go from here? And once I did that, then I was able to reflect back on a conversation I had with my cardiologist who said, or after the, after the whole inserting of the stents, you need to lower your stress. Mm. And, and that kind of, I was like, okay, that's one, that is totally one where I'm on that end of, you know, I might as well be smoking and, and eating, you know, jelly donuts all day. The jelly donuts would be awesome, by the way, but, but (laughs) (laughs) stepping it, putting that aside for all the stress I'm, I'm taking on, that is what's driving the heart condition and everything else. So I said, all right, I need to start managing stress. Mm -hmm. And I fell into it and it was about, well, well, the other thing was I committed to him. He said, I want you to commit to me that you're going to take one week off every three months. And so I said, yeah, I'll do it. And unfortunately I said it in front of my wife, which meant I had to do it. And and so I got back to work in January and in March, she said, okay, you're taking a week off. And I was still not physically where we could take a vacation, but we we just went to the zoo and the art museum. And what I did, and this is becoming a very long story. I apologize. But what what I did was at the end of the first day, we took our youngest son to the zoo. I got on Facebook and I typed, here were the great things that happened today. And I got a bunch of likes. And if you're on Facebook, well, you got people like me. Wow, yeah, that's that's so cool, right? What would we yeah. do without it? All that validation, right? And and I'm still a sucker for it seven years oh, ago. Oh, good. Yep. Oh, they like, they like, come on, yay. But but anyway, I got likes. And so the next day we went to the art museum. I said, well, here were the great things. And I did this all week and people are responding positively. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I wonder how long I could do this. Cause next week it's back to work. And the answer is I've been doing it for seven years now, just listing the great things that happened. Mm-hmm. And, and just by changing my out, my outlook from looking to, I got cut off in traffic. Yeah. You know, somebody yelled at me to here were the really good things that happened. And, and by the way, they're there all the time. I just needed to look for them. Got that it. lowered my stress. And, and so that's, in a nutshell, the journey from heart attack to a healthier outlook on life.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing all that. So you basically, just by fluke, started to share something that was good, got feedback and went, huh, that feels better. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. And it just continued from there.
1: Right. Yeah. At first it was like, okay, what were the great things that happened today? But the more you train your brain, Mm-hmm. there's this subconscious component to it where you start finding, it just like presents itself. Mm-hmm. Hey, Hey, that was great. Wow. Cool. And and you shut down that part of your brain that looks for the negative. There are going to be negative things that happen. Right. You know, I'm not a Pollyanna here, but you're, you're training your brain to look for the positive first. Mm-hmm. And that lowers your stress.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, thank you for sharing that because I think first off, I love how you shared it in the sense that we do get stuck in thinking, why me? And we also look at, but I don't do half the things that other people do, which doesn't really matter because I still had the heart attack, right? It's a, it doesn't matter that they, I do the same thing. I work super hard for my own health and fitness and I watch tons of people completely abuse it. And I'm like, why do I have to work so hard for this stuff? But it it's, it's a ridiculous spiral that does nothing, right? It doesn't do anything. So I thank you for sharing that and you're really emphasizing this piece on stress, which I think is so important is people understanding what stress is doing to the body. So as you started to really lean into gratitude and your life started to change, how did stress feel different in your body before and
1: after that time? So I I think before I just would try to take everything on, you know, and, and I never like stopped to look at, Oh, there's no S on my chest. You know, I'm not Superman. I, I just, I, you know, one of those people that, Oh, I can do one more thing before I get in the car and race to the airport and and just add the, that additional stress. And it's like, I was almost a stress junkie and, and the physical manifestations were like basically a caffeine addiction Mm-hmm. I'll admit it. Uh, it, and that was the other thing the doctor said. The cardiologist said, "You know, you can only you need to cut down to one to two cups of caffeinated coffee a day." And it's just like, oh man, you are were you me.
0: having at that time. Do you know?
1: Oh, uh, I had I st- we still have a Keurig, but yeah. I would use the Keurig to make a cup of coffee while the pot was brewing. I mean, I would just it, it was probably eight to ten, uh, just a ridiculous number. ridiculous. number. you know, when I was, when I was much younger, a doctor said, well, you you know, coffee's okay. You can have, you can have probably not thinking I'm encouraging this guy to ultimately have a pot plus a cup plus some more every day. But, Mm -hmm. but he said, you know, it's, that's not a, you know, a terrible vice. So I abused that advice. Mm -hmm. And, and so the doctor, the cardiologist said, you need to cut down. And, and so I did, but, but that's how it was manifesting, right? There's that physical manifestation. There's that almost addiction to being mm-hmm. stressed and under pressure. And while well, I'm a Type A and I can do it, and I, and I'm sure there are people who can do it. It just I'm not one of them.
0: <laughs> no, I did that. I, I, I totally. I hold my hand up because I'm like, yep, that was me. It's like, yeah, I can take one more thing. on. sure. Give it to me. I'll do it. And the reward was always like, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. And then it's like, see, I can do it. I can do it. It's yeah, no problem at all. I'll Get it done. And everything else came first. And it was almost a badge of honor to get more done.
1: Totally. 100%. Yep. That's right. I, I'm busy. So I'll take it on. Yeah. And then what happens is um, you wind up, this is for me, you wind up doing a half ass job. Right. Cause you're taking everything on. Yeah. And, and so you just, okay, I'll, I'll knock that out and I'll knock that out. And you never stop to really put the quality that a task might need. um, And, and then, and I still stumble into this and it's a real big r- red flag when I do it. It's like, am I going so fast that I'm not documenting the process? And then a month later I have to do the exact same thing. And it's, and, and I know, that I did whatever this task is, but I can't remember exactly how. So I spend an inordinate amount of time figuring out the same thing over and over and over again. Now, if I'm, if I move more slowly, then at the end I document, okay, the next time you have to do this, you do step one, step two, step three, and you do a more thorough job. And the next time it's like that. So uh, it's, it's ignoring that stress. That's, that's part one of, of the difference. Uh, I think part two is I had to take a good look at those things that are causing stress. Are they in my area of control? You know, you get cut off in traffic Was that in your area of control. No. Is it worth stressing about? No. And, and the example I give was when I went back to work, I had a conversation with my boss and he said, you know, that, that pet project that you wanted to do the iPhone app, uh, we talked about it and they canceled it. And so I said, okay. He said, okay. He said, what's changed with you? And I wanted, I wanted to reach out and virtually we were on the phone. I wanted to reach out and virtually slap him upside the head. It's like, I don't know if you remember this, but I had a heart attack, but, but it was a completely different look. And, and, I could see why he asked the question because it would have been me ranting and raving and how could they have they done such a terrible thing and what they, they must hate me and they must hate this company. But, and, and none of that is true. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a different way to get things done. And, and so I, ha- I just accepted it. Yeah. And once you start accepting the things are out of your control and, and there was no way I was going to change that. There's no way you're going to change the person cutting you off in traffic. There's no way you're going to change some of the social media you know, yipping back and forth. Once you accept that Mm -hmm. and just focus on what you can change, your stress comes down again.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you create this new base point, right? And this, and you mentioned it earlier as humans, I've been doing a lot of, I'm doing my NLP masters right now and I'm learning all about like subconscious and how our brain works. It's so fascinating. Literally feel like I've done everything the opposite way for most of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Totally honest. And it's, it's amazing how addicted we actually get. Our brain gets addicted to the cortisol and the adrenaline and how many times we put ourselves in that situation. It's like we create this amped up like anxiety because we are addicted to how it feels to be there. Quiet,
1: peace, slow is actually uncomfortable for a lot of us. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, you get, and and you obviously know way more about this than I, but you know, what what I've read is that not that stress and the cortisol, the, the hormone then causes other damage to your body. And it may just not be heart problems. It, it, it can fuel all kinds of health issues. I don't remember the list, but, but I do know, you know, there's a whole lot of things that I want to avoid in life in terms of health conditions. And if I can manage my stress, that will put, put me a long way down the road toward avoiding the health problems.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I love this conversation. I'm so grateful you're sharing it because I'm just going to be completely honest for a second. We like, we need more men having these kinds of conversations. We need to normalize men like taking care of themselves. And because I just, I find more often than not, I'm get like women are really speaking out more and do it, which is great, but we do need more men normalizing these conversations.
1: Oh Yeah. Yeah. And, and you heard me at the start where I was telling my wife, we're still going to be able to go to Las Vegas. And, you know, I don't need to worry about all that. I got stents. I'm Superman. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. And And that's why I'm having the conversations too, is I don't really want other people to have to have a heart attack to see the light, but about stress and about the way you run your life. Mm-hmm. So if you could have the heart attack and make a full recovery, then I'd be like, Oprah, you know, you get a heart attack and you get a heart attack and you get a heart attack, and we'd all be better. But but I also recognize the fact that I was lucky in that the arteries that got blocked were not the widowmaker. You know, yes. Doctor starts talking about the widowmaker. I'm like, boy, I'll bet that's a bad one to have happen. It's so. a
0: very bad one. We actually interviewed somebody who um 47, fitness, health professional. He was going in to see, um, for tests for probably six months and kept saying something it does not feel right and had a long history of concussions. And they, like, they kept saying more mental health issues and depression. And he's like, no, it's physically. And especially if somebody is in tune with their body and right. he did end up having a massive heart attack in his house. His wife did CPR for eight, eight minutes. And he was less than a 6% chance to survive and he still is alive now, but he very much advocates for like, not just men's health, but really for stress, being your advocate for yourself, all of those things. So again, I just think it's great that we have more and more men, um, speaking this language. Yeah. So you referenced one of my favorite books when you, um, sent in your form and it's like the obstacle becomes the way, right? The obstacle is the way. And we get so caught up as humans in these obstacles that come in. And one of the questions I will ask myself now is like, but what if that is the way? Like, what if that's actually there for a reason? It's not a roadblock stopping you. What if it's actually the direction I'm supposed to go or I'm supposed to learn something from it? So I would love to know what that sentence phrase means for you and just how I I know you've explained it, but I would just want to know what
1: it means to you. So you have and i want to say i'm i'm flaking on the on the uh, ancient guy who who came up with that the uh, Marcus Aurelius yes. right
0: it was just Marcus say, Aurelius I'm looking at my bookshelf it's a Ryan holiday book but i knew it wasn't his quote it was Marcus Aurelius you're
1: right Marcus Aurelius right so he was the emperor of rome and had all these obstacles and and he was the original stoic that said the obstacle is the is the way yeah. and and so you don't spend a lot of time you know my heart condition is is the way. So what am I going to do about that differently? I I could fight it, and I could say, "Well, I'm I'm not going. I'm I'm going to try to go through this brick wall. That would be really dumb, and I probably wouldn't be here seven years later if I kept filling up my arteries and stressing out. A good chance. So then it becomes okay. This is my reality. Uh, call it an obstacle. Call it whatever you will. How am I going to deal with that and and move on? and get to the life goals that I have and, and so that's where it was managing stress again totally fell into this whole great things that happened today uh, idea and, and there was some encouragement for my wife after I started she goes you know you really need to keep doing this and and eventually she was the one that said you know you ought to make a book out of it mm-hmm. and, and so you know I, I need a lot of help and smacks upside the head for my wife, virtual ones, and, and <laughs> thank and, God. God <laughs> you no, know, no kidding. Thank God. You know, if you're a guy, listen to your significant other, please. At, at any rate, so so that's it, right? The this is reality, and to to me, that's the whole stoic philosophy. Is like, okay, this is your reality that you live within, and you're going to accept it, not push against it, because there's no point in that. What are you going to do given this reality? to get to the life you want. And, and that's why I love that that book and, and all of the meditations by Marcus Aurelius are just really so valuable. And you look at it and you're like, well, that's common sense. But you know, you know what they say, common sense isn't always common. And it wasn't for me.
0: No, it's not common. And I think that philosophically, we all agree and say, yes, we've heard that, that makes sense. We could look back on our life and see times where obstacles came up and we're like, yep, that actually worked for me. Um, But in the moment, I don't think that's our automatic go-to. I think that's something that we have
1: to train our brain to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that
0: that led you to writing a book. Yes. Yes.
1: Tell us about your book. So the, the book is called Great Things Happen Every Day and and it's just i took several years worth of those columns or that i wrote on facebook Mm -hmm. and and would copy the here are the six eight ten however many things i found and then talk about one i grouped them in into common you know areas like like one of them was we took the time and i took the time to start grilling and exploring new recipes and things like that Mm -hmm. so there were, there were times I got feedback from people. Oh, I I need that recipe. I need that recipe. So part of it is just, here's the recipe. Here's what I found. Mm -hmm. And, and here's what I added to it to, to make it, uh, this, whatever, whatever the dish was, the easiest one that pops right into my mind because it's the subtitle of the book was banana milkshakes. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And, And it's real simple, right? You put a banana, some frozen yogurt, milk in the blender, hit the button, and, and then I add cinnamon to mine and that's it, mm-hmm. right? Not the most complex recipe, I'll, I'll admit, but but it's it's something where we sit down and have a banana milkshake or a chocolate for the kids or whatever, whatever you want. And you watch some television and just kind of enjoy each other's presence. So you're not running all over uh, trying to get one last thing done at the end of the day. You're just kind of relaxing. So, so that would be one section recipes. And then there was another section about what we did around the holidays and, and our annual family vacation. And it just talked about why those were the great things. And, and then there was one on dad jokes. And I warned people at the beginning. It's like, look, I like dad jokes. I'm a dad. They're, they're puns. If you don't like puns, just go on ahead. It's, it's in the table of contents. Skip to the next chapter because there is nothing of value here except for the hilarious dad jokes. So just, move on right i'm only laughing because my husband just yesterday was telling me jokes
0: I'm like where are you getting those from he goes they're dad jokes and i'm like oh okay totally yeah and it's all good it's all good
1: yeah and and some of them were told to me by my sons so so that made it what? even better i am such a good father i've taught them puns anyway so so that's one section and, and then there's the the introduction and how this all came about and then there's a conclusion and, and in the conclusion, I, one of the things I say is, look, I know I said great things happen every day. They don't, right? There are bad days. And, and one of the mistakes I made was trying to, a couple times, force a good thing into a really crappy day. And, and you can't, right? Yeah. You, you just accept this is a bad day. The, the whole point behind looking for the great things is you know, take a 30-day month. And let's just say that three days are going to be rotten. No matter what, 10% Mm -hmm. of this month, you're going to have a bad day, period. Mm -hmm. And three days on the other end are going to be so great that no matter how hard you try to screw them up, they're going to be good days. All right. So that's 10% on either end. That leaves 80% in the middle. And you take those, if you're looking for the good things, a lot more of those days are going to go on the positive side of the ledger. And that's what you want. You want to have as many good days as possible. So when you start looking and, and the whole idea that I had behind the book is if you see what I'm seeing in my family, you can probably say, you know what? We have some cool holiday traditions. You know what? Uh, we've got some cool recipes, you, you know, hopefully dad jokes. Cause you know, hit me with them. It's, <laughs> send them to me. <laughs> you can never have enough dad jokes. <laughs> but, right. And, and, and so it kind of i'm hoping that in doing that i'm encouraging people's thought process to really start looking for the positives
0: yeah i there's so much that i love about this conversation because like what you focus on you find right mm-hmm. what you focus on expands and i like it even more so because when we were in the middle of our challenges everybody and if you've listened to the show you've heard the stories so it's all good um, but when we were in the middle of our challenges, everybody would say, just write your three gratitudes every day. Well, I don't think that's enough, I don't think it's enough to just write down three things. I think you actually do have to focus, like, look, feel it, find those things. And sometimes those things are really small, but they build on each other. Like I would literally, some of my gratitudes would be okay. I got out for a walk today. It was quiet. I had time for myself. I, you know, whatever. But it does start to expand. So I don't think it's as simple as just write your three gratitudes and then you're good. And I love that how you're explaining this, because I do think that there's a very big distinction.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, OK, so now moving forward, you are you still like speaking and doing three? OK, so tell us about that.
1: So I it's the the side hustle at this point mm-hmm. Some someday to become the full-time, but I am a keynote speaker mm-hmm. and I, I have two topics. One of them is on stress management and, and it it goes anywhere from the six S's of stress management to the nine S's of stress management, depending on how much time I have. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's simple stress management, you know, seek what's good in life, subtract, subtract the bad impact on your life. So I, I call it, it, it's, it goes back to this, you know, what do you What you see is what you, what you train your mind to see is what you find. Right. And the the example is if you train, if you close your eyes and think about the color green and then you open your eyes, you're, you're pulled to green. Yeah. And and it's a simple experiment we do in the keynotes. And, And then the second part is subtract the red. So I love the color red. I have red cars. I love the color red, but if we're saying green is the good thing, then red is just subtract the bad. And we go into, you know, what can you do about social media? Because, uh, and it, I don't have time for the whole keynote, right? But but it, it, the average person spends two hours and 24 minutes. And this was pre pandemic, the numbers Can you imagine two imagine hours you imagine? and 24 minutes on social media. All right. And, but that also counts YouTube and things like that. So if you are looking at a YouTube video for learning or something, it's, it counts two hours and 24 minutes a day. And the thing about social media is every social media company wants your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. And, and so, They are smart enough to know if if you are looking, maybe not even participating in, but spending a lot of time reading arguments back and forth over things you have no control. And it's always politics and religion and things like things you have opinions on, but no control. The more you look at that, the more they're going to feed it to you because they want you on their platform so that they can sell the advertising products. Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that inherently i'm not complaining about that it's just the fact it's the fact right it's their business and that's the fact so if you spend time looking at the good things that you know like somebody who writes great things happen every day you're going to get more good put Mm -hmm. in there so we talk about subtracting the red and and i always say subtract not eliminate because you can't eliminate the bad you need to acknowledge that there's going to be bad days I, i say when you can't subtract you add Mm-hmm. Add stands for acknowledge, don't dwell. Yeah. Don't oh, don't make I it love dwell. that.
0: So add, acknowledge,
1: don't dwell. I love that. Right. Yeah. So so it, it's those kind of topics we talk about in the stress management keynote. I have another one on achieving on goal achievement and, and getting your dreams and, and that kind of thing. And I believe the two run hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. I be, I believe. It's not, you know, oh, I'm I'm going to de-stress and not achieve all my goals in life. No, it's it's like when you learn to say no to the things that are are harmful to you, then you have more time to achieve your goals. Yeah, those are all such great
0: points. Thank you for sharing that, especially the piece on the social media. I was actually having a conversation with somebody maybe about two weeks ago, and she was saying how she was struggling so much with with social media, and it is addictive like it is, it's definitely, it's just be real for a second. And you're right. They want your eyes on the information. When I said to her, I said, well, why don't you actually unfollow like these accounts that don't feel good? She goes, I can do that. I'm like, Oh, oh, yeah! You can like you can go through and unfollow, and I even have another. I have another friend who who went through. She's doing a month. She's still on social media, but she muted every account she follows. Muted every single one. She goes because I'm not going to. I'm not going to consume. I'm just going to produce, and I'm going to see how it feels for a month. Okay. Test it. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, the unfollow is such an important thing. It's like,
0: yeah. If If it doesn't feel good when you're on someone's page, then unfollow, because I think just coming back to right back to the beginning of the show, we talk about stress, like know where your stress comes from, know where your triggers are coming from. And if you're following things that make you feel more and more anxiety, like that's within your control. You can't control what they're saying, but you can control how you respond to it.
1: And if you read it, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. I I always tell people, you know, you can unfollow uh, people on Facebook that if they're if they're spewing too much negativity, too much hate, and they could have been friends that you've known for a long time, but you can just block them. Yeah, and they don't even know they're blocked. And I'm like, in real life, wouldn't that be cool? Somebody's like all negative, you just go block, and and you don't hear them anymore, and they don't know you did it, right? They're still, so, <laughs> and it's not having an effect on you. I mean. Yeah. That's one area where social media has got it over real life. Mm -hmm. They do. block, and, and
0: that's that. I love that. So if you look at your life now compared to prior to 2015, obviously, you've put some different habits in place. There's things that are different in your life. Have you other things that I'm just curious, because whenever we make changes in our life, sometimes our circle changes, who we spend time with, our energy, what our habits are, those kinds of things. So I just would love if you want to share anything in there.
1: Yeah, I I think, I think probably the circle is smaller, of people that spend time with some of that was as a result of, of the heart attack. And in the way I looked at life afterwards some of that was the pandemic uh yeah. you know we we became very family focused in that time and i i try really really hard not to lose the positives that came out of that pandemic when we were when we were very close and had time to you know i did jigsaw puzzles in the pandemic it's like and, and it was fun right? I, I know i also learned that dogs like to eat like one piece out of the 500 piece puzzle every time it's like one piece is missing and I know the dog took it. I just you find it at the end. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it was close enough. I know if I had one piece left, if you hadn't eaten dog, it, dog. Right. So, yeah. but, but yeah, so it's, it's a smaller circle. You know, this quote has been beaten to death, but I still like it. it you are the sum of the five people you spend most of your time with. So, mm-hmm. so, so spend it with positive people. I do that. Uh, I spend it with positive people at work, positive people in church, positive people in my life, and mm-hmm. and then yeah, by default, you if you spend a lot of your time there, you don't have a lot of time to spend with the negative influences mm-hmm. in in your life. So uh, a closer knit circle of friends that are very positive. I think that was that's the biggest one, biggest thing right there. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, the other thing is but we're taking time for positive experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I have a a long career with the the daytime company. And so therefore I get a lot of vacation, six weeks to be specific. And yeah. And and so this year, my wife and son and I were fortunate enough to go to Europe and it was going to be his school trip in 2020, but they kind of closed everything down. So instead we took a family trip, Mm -hmm. you know, turned that ticket into a family trip. And, and so we just were able to get away from work, get away from everything that all the, the makes demands on your time and enjoy seeing it, it was uh, England, Scotland, and Ireland. Mm-hmm. And just, just taking the time and, and, you know, you're, you're in a bus. It's not like you can go do work or anything, right. You're, you're in a bus seeing all these sites and it was just, it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm grateful to hear like just some of the things that you're sharing, because like I said, I just know that this is really going to resonate with people and recognizing that they don't have to have the heart attack to create change, right? We just have to catch those warning signs. And I often think back to like some some warning signs that maybe might seem really not a big deal, but when you look back at them, you're like, you know what? They were like, they were. So anything that you can share there with anyone else? Like I know you mentioned earlier the coffee and all those things, but what was sleep like? Like what was other things like prior to that?
1: So yeah, sleep was <laughs> terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, Oh, I only need five hours. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so this is the vicious cycle. And, and I actually, you know, losing weight, I, I always knew I needed to lose five to 10 pounds, but when you aren't getting enough sleep, that, that just torches torches your diet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for one thing, you got more hours in the day when you could be eating, but also if you don't get the right sleep, your body's just revolts. And, and so I would stay up late working on things and then probably have a couple glasses of wine. Nothing wrong with that. But that, yep. I need that to get to sleep and then get up real early in the morning. And I need my coffee to get going again. And and so sleep was not enough. Mm-hmm. Sleep until it started happening when we we're watching Big Bang Theory or Seinfeld, right? It's like middle of the show. <laughs> and, and, and I just think, well, you know, it, I'm getting tired. I'm getting old, whatever. It, it's nothing, no big deal. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, and so now I get at a minimum that seven hours, probably more like eight. And, and then sometimes on the weekend, sometimes on the weekend, it's a, it's a nine hour just to make sure I get caught up and, and I listen to my body. Yeah. That was, so, so that was the answer on sleep is, and that's, that's about it on sleep, right? Yeah. I didn't enough and now I get enough and, and it's huge. It is absolutely huge. And and that comes back to saying no to those things that you don't don't need to to take on. Mm -hmm. Now you have enough time to relax with your family and get to bed early. I still get up early, I just get to bed earlier.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, these pieces of self-care, right? They're so it's just so it's so important, so simple. And I know it's going to land for others, honestly. So as you start to move forward, what's coming next? Like, what do you want to see with your message and what you're doing in your book and speaking?
1: So more of it. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I have developed those two keynotes. I'm I'm actually developing a third uh, for it's more computer focused, innovation focused. For uh, I'm doing a keynote in Memphis in September for our IT our global it organization it, so but but it still talks about you know commitment and saying no to the wrong things and, and yes to the right things and that kind of thing i uh, i want to do more of that because it helps people mm-hmm. it, and i want to do that's why i'm doing podcasts to get that message out there i, I believe that i have this burning desire to help other people avoid the stress trap mm-hmm. and it may not the, the stress trap may not be a heart attack it could be a a ruined relationship it could be any other kind of stress related illness because they come in all forms and and so i as i mentioned the keynote is the anywhere from six to nine s's of stress management i'm working on i got the new website totally totally did not develop it so it it looks really good Mm -hmm. yeah this this gets back to do we say no to like oh i could develop that i i work in it i can't I, I don't have the skills to make it look really good. So I, I do have the skill to write somebody a check to develop a website and, Perfect. and it looks really good. <laughs> I, I love it. It's <laughs> so, so nice compared to what I would have done www.philbarth.com. And, <laughs> and so that's, that takes links to the book, links to the, the two keynotes and the one keynote uh, around stress management, I'm, both of those, I want to turn into a book. It may be a small book, Uh, But both of those, it's just one more way to get that message out that, hey, manage your stress, manage your reactions, manage your health, this start with that, you can, you know, all of the rest of the stuff, I believe, once you start managing stress can fall into line, it's easier to diet, it's easier to exercise, because you've taken the time to to cut the negativity out of your life. Mm -hmm. And, And on the other side, it's the goal achievement. And, and that gets back to. There's a couple of stories. You know, asking my wife out for a first date was was one where you know, <laughs> there's a lot of stress butterflies, but but that's a, a goal achievement. And the other one that happened, oh gosh, 20 years ago, probably this year, right? Yeah, this 20 years ago was uh, the nonstop chase of being on the game show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and I ultimately made it in 2002. Okay, and, and- I know I know it wasn't on the it wasn't do you on say, the I don't list. see that anywhere No, no no I, I <laughs> and, and it's amazing I mean you and I have talked for quite a while and normally I manage to bring that up in the first 15 minutes of the conversation hey I was on, how was everybody no. All right, but but yeah I and so that's the focus of the keynote it's like look you've got you've got to shut down those voices that are telling you you can't do it again it's saying no to those voices and and figure out what you can do. And so, yeah, I, it took me three years, but I eventually landed a shot on the spot on the show and uh, got $32,000 out of the deal. So.
0: Seriously. Good for you. That I, I used to watch that. Like I did. I used to watch that. Um, what was the experience like?
1: Oh, it, it was everything I hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it uh, Meredith Vera was the host by the time I got on. Uh, and you know how the, the hosts always, you know, they look like such a friendly, nice person when they're on camera. She was off camera too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was on two different shows and and it's supposed to be a next day, right? It, it is on TV, but in reality, you go back into the dressing room, you change into your other day's outfit and you come back out. Right. Cause they're like, we got to get this show going. We got to record four. So I come walking out and, and we're on a time crunch, right? And there's Meredith, and she's getting her hair done. And she starts talking to me. And we're t- and they're like, come on, come on, come on. And she's been just talking to me about my wife, my kids. And, and we're having a conversation. And they're like, we got to get going. I'm like, you tell the boss that. We're having a conversation right now. <laughs> so uh, it was, I, I also remember, this is in the keynote, walking into the studio, they they have you practice getting up in the chair and all that, and walking into the studio and and, and looking, going, and thinking, you know, I'm starting to shake. I'm like, oh my god, this is actually going to happen, mm-hmm. right? For three years, I kept telling myself, "You can do it, you can do it," but I can't do it. Holy cow, I'm here, right? Yeah. And, and and I was shaking, and so you get rid of all those butterflies before the actual time when you come out. And then the thing I told myself is, look, don't think about the fact that there could be a million people watching this show. Don't think about, there's a a whole studio audience. All you do is when the light, when the question comes down, close your eyes for a second, open them up. And when you open them up, it's just you and a question on the monitor. There's, there's no Meredith Vera. There's no wife sitting behind you, nothing, just those two things. And that worked pretty well until I got to the $64,000 question. (laughs) Remember what the question I, was? I said, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, I had to ask. So I, 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 blitzed, I blitzed through 10. Yeah. 10 questions. I asked the audience for help on one. Boom, $32,000 in the bank. And and at the time, $32,000 was a guarantee. So you could, I was going to leave with no less than 32 grand. Perfect. So before I tell you what the question was, I have to go back because in high school, I was on our high school quiz team. And we went to the semifinals of the Toledo area. It was was a TV show. And so it lasted all year. If you kept winning, you kept coming back a few weeks or or a month or whatever later. And every time we practiced and every time we drove to Toledo, it was like a one-hour drive. The advisor would say, somebody on this team needs to learn Greek mythology. Barth." you need to learn Greek mythology. We've got all the other subjects covered. You need to learn Greek mythology. He just all year long. And of course a senior boy, Greek mythology ain't happening. So <laughs> we, we wound up losing, but we lost on a sports question. So, you know, no Greek mythology, right? Okay. Now here comes the $64,000 question. Oh. You, already, you already know, right? You know that this is going to be a Greek tragedy, right? So, Here it comes, and and it gets completely dark in the studio at 64 grand because they want to make sure there's no cheating. And the question was, the term mentor comes from Greek mythology. Mentor was friend and trusted advisor to whom. And the, the choices were Oedipus, Hercules, Odysseus, and Achilles. And, of course, I had never studied Greek mythology. I didn't even know if I had any friends to phone that knew Greek mythology. Right mm-hmm. so the I phone a friend 30 seconds of silence and, and then I still had the 50-50 and and I remembered in my head all of a sudden I was like now wait a minute we could be all right here if you take the 50-50 because I know that Oedipus wasn't a Greek hero he had that whole mommy thing going on and and then I also knew that Achilles just had that whole heel thing I didn't know much about him but I knew they dipped him in some river and he had a bad heel mm-hmm. so I'm like As long as it gives me one of those two and the other one, all I have to do is take the other one. As long as it doesn't give me Hercules and Odysseus. Okay. So you know the rest of that story, right? I do. Hercules and Odysseus. Now you may know this. I don't know. I don't.
0: Um, I don't, but I knew where I had a a guess where the story was going. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, well, I don't know. And and so the, the thing of it was all these bizarre images kept popping into my head related to the question and it would give me the right answer every time like eight thousand dollars it was uh, and the answer was food services it's craft services on a on a movie set is in charge of what and i get this picture in my brain of you know we got an email a couple years ago about a new craft services vendor in the cafeteria so boom right so i'm getting these bizarre things popping into my brain and at sixty four thousand dollars with the two left what popped into my brain was pinky in the brain the the cartoon. I remember yes. because love that show. Love that show. And in one of their adventures, they somehow wound up helping Hercules clean out some stables. And so I thought, well, maybe they were supposed to be the mentor for Hercules. They weren't. They weren't. It was it was Odysseus. I never read The Odyssey, and I never will.
0: No, you have no desire to go back to that now. Wow. The,
1: the, the funniest part was that night from the hotel. One of my five, you get five people for your phone a friend. One of my five was still that high school quiz team advisor. Oh, and, and so I had to call them all and tell them how I did. You know, Well, four of them didn't get called. And so I called him and he said, so what, what was the subject of the question you missed? And I just, deep breath, I said, Greek mythology. <laughs> and he just laughed. He goes, if you had called me, I would have spent 30 minutes laughing at you. For for not ever studying it, <laughs> and he goes, "I still don't know it, but I never did." You were the one I told the I'm like. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! What a hilarious story! Thank you for sharing that with us. Like this is the yeah, I just absolutely love that. I love. That. I'm not I saying like, you need to study Greek mythology. You know that that might be more stress than anybody should have. I don't know.
0: I think so, but I also laugh because I'm like, doesn't karma always come back around some way, shape, or form?
1: It oh, always, no doubt.
0: It does. It comes back in some way, shape, or form, which we just have to have a sense of humor
1: about. We just have to. Well, and, and right, I'm backstage going, "Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I guess the other way? Why, why?" why? And my wife comes back. She goes, "We just got thirty-two thousand dollars." Yeah. Like, oh yeah. What's well, that's really good. It is good. I mean, the goal, the goal was to get on the show and do as well as I could. Mm-hmm. And holy cow, thirty-two grand! And, and I'm sitting there back there. This. Full circle, right? I'm sitting back there asking why I couldn't do better. It's like, come on. Yeah, Yeah.
0: just no, it this story, it absolutely ties into everything that we've just talked about. And it's, and I, and I know I want that to land for people who are listening. Like, it's the amount of time and energy we spend every day on things that we can't control, that we have no, like, they actually are happening the way they're supposed to and not putting the energy into our own reaction is adding up and affecting our health in more ways than we can even, even imagine.
1: 100%. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. This is, I have loved this conversation. It's been very, thank you for sharing your story with us. It's been entertaining. I love it. I love it. Um, We know where people can find you. I'll make sure it's all in the show notes that it's available and I would love it. I have one more question for you: Is what lesson in life are you most grateful for?
1: I'm going to summarize it because it's the lesson I learned from the heart attack, and I couldn't come up with nearly as good of a quote as uh, Gary V came up with. Somebody walked up to him one day. He's an entrepreneur, and, and somebody came, yeah, he somebody came up to him one day and said, "Give me, give me something that'll motivate." me. And, and they expected some, you know, flowery motivational speech. And he looked at me and said, You are going to die. Yeah. All right. And, and when you think about that, and and boy, you don't know, feel like, oh, nothing like a little heart attack to, to reinforce that message. But it's like, you only have so much time in this life. You don't know how much, but you only have so much. And and you're not gonna get out of this alive. So here's the amount of time you have, here's what you want to do with your life. What are you going to do in that time? And what are you not going to do? I have two lists. I have the bucket list and the chucket list. And the chucket list is I, I've got a, hu- a big volcano drawn on my whiteboard because, and I got a whiteboard because I'm a nerd. It's a, it's a big one, right? But there's a big volcano and there's little stick people that I, I drew them being thrown into the volcano. And, you know, it's sick, but but they represent, here are the things in life that I am not going to take on. And, and they may be an opportunity or they may not be, but those are the things that have to go. So on the other side of the whiteboard, all of those bucket list items, the things that I feel like I am called to do, I can focus on and do. And then the other piece of it is you're going to die. So you can't do it all. What are you going to do in the time that you have?
0: And that is like, I'm going to call it the million dollar question. I think it's a fantastic question. I know, right? <laughs> cheesy, but I had to, I, 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 it is, it's a fantastic question. Like, what are you going to do? So I love it. Absolutely. Love this conversation. Thank you so much for being here today, Phil, honestly. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Absolutely.